If you have your, your Bibles, turn with me to two openings of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verse number 13. And we'll also be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. And I'll repeat those verses again. Deuteronomy six thirteen, And we'll also be looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. As you're turning there, I might as well testify a little bit that uh, we had quite a bit of fun at the men's uh, bowling activity yesterday. I'm not sure if any of you have noticed, but I'm limping a little bit. Because uh, basically when you're bowling, it's, it's like you're, you're doing lunges. And you're getting down to actually throw the ball, and we did that for two hours. And I have not done any exercise in a very long time. So I look like Jacob wrestling with the angel. I'm kind of, my hip is kind of uh, <laughs> it's out of place. So y'all pray my strength in the Lord as we go. We had a wonderful time there. and had to, got to fellowship with the brethren. It was a, truly a wonderful experience. And uh, I want to give you also a wonderful experience today in preaching the Word of God. I believe I have a word for you today from the Lord. If you have Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13, say amen. Deuteronomy 6 13 says, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are round about you. I want to read verse 13 again. That thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Now, go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 33, and we'll be reading verses 33 through 37. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, Swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is, it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. I want to read verse 34 again. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Today I want to preach you a message simply entitled, I Swear. Why don't you put your hand over your heart and lift up your other hand and say, I swear. <laughs> Praise God. Now that phrase may not have much meaning to you right now, but it will at the end of this message. And I'm just going to give a, a disclaimer, I guess you could say. This is what I like to call an airplane message. And if you think you've heard me say this before. Have you ever flown on an airplane before that uh, you, you, know, you get on the plane, you put your carry-on luggage away, and you take your seat, and it feels like you're just sitting there forever. You sit in the tarmac and you start slowly taxing on the runway and you're just sitting there for a minute and then suddenly there is a burst of acceleration and you're just, whew, you're just flying all of a sudden. You're and accelerating, you're lifting up into the sky and next thing you know you're at cruising altitude and you're on your way. This message is going to be a little bit like that. So the beginning of it, we're going to be sitting on the tarmac for a little bit. <laughs> but bear with me, we are going somewhere with this. We are going somewhere. The bear, I'm laying a foundation here. Don't, don't go to sleep on me. <laughs> don't, don't go home on me. But, uh, <laughs> but eventually the, the plane's going to take off. We're going we're to be getting to cruising altitude. So just bear with me as we go there. But I do believe the Lord has a word for you today. And I'd like to enlist his aid to preach this. I can't do anything. I'm just a man. 
Only the Holy Spirit can change hearts and can change lives. And I want to enlist his aid because I believe he wants to do just that, that he wants to set somebody free. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh God, we just worship you. We thank you so much for your loving kindness, for your mercy. We thank you for this opportunity to declare your word. And I pray in the name of Jesus, have your way through me and in me. Use me to minister and to speak your word with clarity. God, that, oh Lord Jesus, I'm able to articulate the thought that you've given me. And that I pray, Lord Jesus, that somebody would truly swear, oh Lord God, that they would swear unto you fully and committing themselves, oh God, unto you. We just bless you and worship you and glorify you. And in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, I just read you two verses, and I'm not sure if you caught, caught it, but the plain reading of both texts seems to imply a, a contradiction. In the first verse I, I read to you, God is commanding through Moses that we are supposed to swear by his name, by the name of God. But in Matthew 5, Jesus explicitly says, don't swear at all. How do we reconcile these two verses? There are four questions that I want to answer. I'm going to make you guys think today. I hope you brought your Bibles and you brought your thinking caps. I'm going to make you think. I'm going to challenge you. So stay with me as we, do, as we go through this. But there are four questions I want to answer in this message. Number one, what does it mean to swear? Number two, why does God command us to swear by his name in the Old Testament? Number three, what does Jesus mean that we are not to swear at all and why are we not to do it? And number four, why does Jesus say that to go beyond just affirming a promise originates from evil? To go beyond swearing, to say, or to go beyond just saying a yes or a no, and to get into swearing by God's name, you're opening yourself up to evil, that this only originates from something wicked and something evil. Very bizarre. Those are the four questions I want to answer this message. Let's start with number one, which is, what does it mean to swear? There are three types of swearing that, uh, that we're going to talk about today. Firstly, what I like to call the promissory type of swearing. That means to ensure and guarantee the fulfillment of a future action. It is a promise that the guarantor will perform that which was spoken. In other words, for example, I swear I'll pay you back the money I owe you. I'm sure all y'all heard that one before, haven't you? Like, bro, I swear, man, I got you. I'll pay you back. I'll take care of this, right? We've all heard that type of swearing. That the, it's called the promissory swearing because you're making a promise of some sort. You're making an oath. They're guaranteeing something. I swear I'll give you back this money. The second type of swearing is evidential. To attest that something is true, factual, and present. It is a statement that elicits God as a witness oftentimes or evidence to that which has been spoken to be true. For example, I swear I didn't eat your sandwich. I'm sure y'all heard that one too. <laughs> you go to the fridge and your sandwich is missing. And you go up to someone, they're like, I swear I didn't do that. I swear, or I swear I did do that. You know, did you take out the garbage? I swear I took out the garbage. I swear I did this. And what we're saying is, as we're making an evidence case. We're saying that the statement I'm saying is true. It's not promissory. A promissory. We're saying that we've already done something, or something is already factual or evidential. It's true. There, then there's the third type of swearing, which is the profane swearing. And that is to either promise falsely, attest that something is true falsely, to blaspheme, speak irreverently, or disrespectfully. And I'm not going to give you an example of that. <laughs> but you guys know what I mean. We you know people using swear words, using words that are obscene, 
that are rude and lewd and that they're, they're filthy and that they're disgusting and they're irreverent and disrespectful. They, they're derogatory towards the name that is invoked in order to affirm what they are actually stating. Now, that's, those are three types of swearings that are there. We're going to deal primarily with the first two. And I want you to really remember those types. There's the promissory type of swearing where you're making a guarantee or a promise of a future action. Then there's the, the evidential type of swearing where some, you're trying to attest that a statement is true, that this claim is already present, it's factual, it's already it's happened, it's done, it's, it's past tense. In our main text in Deuteronomy 6.13, we see that God tells us to swear. Question number two, why does God command us? It's not an option. He commands us to swear by his name. Deuteronomy 6.13, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. The Hebrew word there for swear is Shabbat. And when you hear that word, that something might come to your head, a certain, <laughs> a certain musician. Who has a, I forget what the name of the song is. I'm not going to get into it, but. Shaba says this, uh, but the word Shaba, it, it, it's the Hebrew word for swearing, to charge, to make an oath, to adjure straightly. Now the thing is, when the, why does God want us to swear by his name is the real question to answer. Because number one, doing so establish himself as the basis or the standard or the metric and the means for all binding promises being fulfilled and for all statements being true. By us swearing by his name, we're upsetting himself as the standard by one, a promise happening. He's the glue that holds that promise together and for everything for being true, which is in fact the case. Because God is the standard by which we judge all things to be true or for anything to occur or for anything to be possible. We see that God uh, repeats this type of command in Deuteronomy chapter 10 verse 20. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Psalm 63 verse 11 says, But the king shall rejoice in God, everyone that sweareth by him. And again, the Hebrew word in both those texts is Shabbat. Sweareth by him, or Shabbat by him, shall glory. But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. So here's the second reason why God commands us to swear by his name. Number two, when you swore by God's name, you reference the fact that he is the living God. The way a person swore by God's name was to say a certain phrase, which is, as the Lord liveth. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 16. When someone swore by God's name, they would always invoke his name and ascribing him the title of being the living God. Jeremiah 12, 16, here the scripture tells us how people were to swear by his name. Jeremiah 12, 16, and it shall come to pass, if they will diligently learn the ways of my people to swear, to Shabbat by my name, the Lord liveth as they taught my people to swear by Baal, then shall they be built in the midst of my people. So that the way that you swore by God's name was acknowledging the fact that God was alive. As the Lord liveth, I'm going to do this thing. Or as the Lord liveth, I'm not going to do this thing. Or as the Lord liveth, this thing, this statement that I'm, I'm saying to you is true. Some other examples of this. Turn with me to First uh, Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. David is being hunted by King Saul, and Saul's wanting to kill him. And David is trying to communicate to Jonathan how severe the situation is. 
First Samuel 20, verse 3. And David swore, the Hebrew word again, Shabbat, moreover, and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord liveth, notice this, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. In First Samuel 28, verse 9. When Saul has been rejected by God as being the king, and God is no longer answering him by prayer or by any other inquiry, Saul then goes to a witch at Endor, and he begins to inquire of her. But when the woman found out that it was Saul, she was very fearful because Saul had, had, had proclaimed that all the witches and all the psychics and mediums were to be executed. And so she is scared and fearing for her life. First Samuel 28 verse 9, And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land, Wherefore thou layest thou a snare for my life to cause me to die? She's asking, are you going to kill me? And then Saul swear, the Hebrew word Shabbat, to her by the Lord saying, as the Lord liveth, there shall be no punishment happen to thee for this thing. So again, we see repeated through scripture that the way that someone swore by God's name was by to say that as the Lord liveth. The question we should ask ourselves is, why is the phrase as the Lord liveth chosen as the means of swearing by God's name? Firstly, because God's life and existence is the possibility for everything being true. It's the possibility for anything being able to occur. Because if God is not real, if God does not exist, that God is not alive, then nothing can truly exist. Nothing can be real. Nothing can be favored upon or nothing can be trusted. Acts chapter 17 verse 27 says this, that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, we are, we are also his offspring. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and he is before all things and by him all things consist. The fact of the matter is that the fact that because God lives that we have anything that is true and that anything is possible. Secondly, by making equivocation between a promise or an attestation and God living, the individual doing the swearing was invoking them to be absolute and unalterable because everyone knows that God lives. Everybody should know it's a fact that God exists. Only the fool have said in his heart that there is no God. So by equating God's existence and living with your statement of truth or your promise to do a certain action, you are guaranteeing that thing to be sure that you are going to fulfill that promise. Even as God is faithful in his promises and truthful in his statements, so is my promise and so is my statement that I'm saying to you. As the Lord lives, this is going to happen. As the Lord lives, what I'm saying to you is the honest truth. Thirdly, everyone uses something to guarantee a promise or attest that something is true. And that thing which is considered the most valuable is sacred or their God. You hear people all the time swearing by something, right? On my dead grandmama's grave, I'm going to do this for you. What? Like, like your dead grandmama's not going to be coming after you if you don't give me my money back, right? I put that on my mama's name. You know, you hear people like, I swear by heaven that this is going to happen. I swear on earth. They, they, they have all these different objects 
or different things, things that they, are, they say that are sacred or valuable, and that's a sign that they look to this thing almost like God itself because this is the standard. Whatever you look to as your standard for something to be true or for something to happen, that is your God. Everybody swears by something. They either swear by this recipe, or I swear by this restaurant, this is the best restaurant ever, or I swear by this particular field, or by this science, or by this expert. Everyone is looking, by, looking for something to guarantee that, that something is going to occur, or that something is in fact true. And because the fact that we need a standard, we need something by which to measure truth, or measure a promise of being actually able to occur. However now, if that person, if what a person uses to promise or attest is false, their promises and their statements lose their power. The children of Israel were often seduced into idolatry, and because of this, they swore by false gods. What are the things that you're swearing by isn't real? What are the things that you're swearing by is false? What are the things that you're swearing by has no power whatsoever to guarantee anything or has whatsoever power to prove anything is true? And that's exactly what happened with the children of Israel. Because as they went into idolatry, they stopped swearing by Jehovah. They stopped looking as God as their standard. And they started looking to Baal and Ashtoreth and all these other gods to swear by. And because they're swearing by something that's false, every promise they were saying, everything that they said was true was also false and was no longer able to truly be enforced. Jeremiah 5, 7 says this, How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me and sworn by them that are no gods. They're swearing by something that isn't real. You're swearing by your dead mama's grandma or, or your, your dead whatever. Or you're swearing by this recipe. You're swearing by this expert. And that's that thing that you're swearing by has no power to save you, has no power to change you, has no power to enforce what you are attesting to be true, to be evidential, or to be guaranteed. And this was upsetting God. So God commanded everyone to swear by him because he is the standard. I hope you're getting this. He is the standard by which something is to be true. The primary attribute of a false God is that it was dead. Is that it was dead. And so to show his distinction from a false deity, God said, when you swear by me, you're to swear by me being alive. Because everything else is dead and does not have the power to save you. Psalm 115 verse 4 says, their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not neither speak they through their throat they that make them are like unto them so is everyone that trusteth in them you're swearing by your job that you're going to make it through this downturn you're swearing by this relationship oh bro would never leave me bro would never go abandon me you're swearing by this expert oh this person is the, the, the best expert in this particular field of medicine or in this particular field or whatever you swear by that person but that person that field is not a forever it's not eternal it can vary it can vacillate it can fail you and so your statements of truth can also fail and that's why God said you need to swear by me as the living God because everything else ends in death everything else perishes everything else is temporary everything else will fall will falter will fail will not be able to make you you can only swear by me I am the only living God and as I live truth will stand as I live promises will come to pass Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 10 
But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At, at his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble and the nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall you say unto them, the gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under the he these heavens. So now to recap, why does God want us to swear by his name? Number one, doing so it's established him as the basis and metric for all binding promises being fulfilled and for all statements being true. Number two, when you swore by God's name, you referred him as the living God. This was a means of preventing idolatry by giving him the distinction of being alive compared to all the false deities. And number three, it instilled a sense of fear to the swear because God is real and God is just and God will hold you accountable for what you attest to being true and what you promise to do because of this God was now being invoked to punish those who falsely swore by promise or by attestation however in the New Testament Jesus commands us to do what appears to be the complete opposite in the altar we just read God wants you to swear by his name he wants you to swear that something is true or that you're going to do something but now here Jesus over here he seems to be implying that no you shouldn't be swearing at all Matthew 5 verse 33 my main text Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Every time I read this verse, I think of this psalm that came out in the 1990s. It was called, I Swear, by All for One. Anyone out here? See, y'all singing it right now, right? That was a jam back in the day. Everybody, that was at everybody's wedding. Right? And you all know the chorus, I swear, by the moon and the stars in the sky. Oh, I'll be there. You know, I can't sing. I ain't going to try and do that. Right? We all know the lyrics. And look what Jesus sang. Again, I swear by the moon and the stars in the sky that I'll be there. Right? Jesus said, but I send you swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth. For it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. The word therefore swear in this text is the Greek word amnuo, which means to swear to affirm, to promise, to threaten with an oath, in swearing to call a person or thing as witness, to invoke, swear by. Now, he also uses the word oath. The Greek word there for oath is horkos, which that which has been pledged or promised with an oath. So now I want to point something out to you here. What in the world is going on here? It seems like a contradiction. Because in the Old Testament, we are commanded, it's a commandment, you're supposed to swear by God's name. But Jesus says not to swear at all. Then he lists the various means of how people swear and said, don't do any of that. And James repeats the words of Jesus. Look at James 5.12. Told you to make you all think today. And I'm going somewhere with this. I know we're still on the tarmac. We're, st we're still taxiing down the runway. You're getting ready to take off soon. Just wait. James 5 verse 12. But above all things, my brethren, swear not. And that word there is I'm new. It's the same word that Jesus uses in Matthew 5. Swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. And the word their oath is horkos. But let your yea be yea, and your nay, nay, lest ye fall into condemnation. 
This is very bizarre. Now, this is bizarre because in the New Testament, we see people swearing by God's name. Believers swearing by God's name. Matter of fact, even the Apostle Paul did this. This almost seems like a contradiction. Look at Romans 1.9. Romans 1.9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing to make mention of you always in my prayers. He's swearing by God that something is evidential or something is true. For God is my witness. Galatians 1.20. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. So we have the Apostle Paul swearing when Jesus said, don't swear at all. Uh-oh, what's going on here? Told you I'll make y'all think. What's even more bizarre is God himself swore. Go to Hebrews 6 verse 13. Hebrews 6 verse 13. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear. Use the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 5. Amnuo. By no greater. He swore by himself. Saying surely, surely blessing I will bless thee. And multiplying I will multiply thee. So we got the Apostle Paul swearing. We got God himself swearing. But yet Jesus says, you're not supposed to swear at all. And the fact that Jesus swore. When Jesus was on trial by the high priest and he was being questioned, he didn't answer any of the questions until the high priest put Jesus under oath. Look at this in Matthew 26, verse 62. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But Jesus held his peace, wouldn't say a word. And the high priest answered and said, Now look what the high priest says. I adjure thee by the living God. Remember, how are they supposed to swear by his name? By the living God. He said, I command you by the living God. I'm putting you under oath to swear to tell us the truth. That thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, now he's been silent this entire time. But when he was, when the divine name was invoked and he was put under oath to swear... He suddenly spoke. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. So what's going on here, guys? <laughs> Question number three. What did Jesus mean that we are not to swear at all? And why are we not to do it? Firstly, Jesus was speaking about false oaths. If you remember the very first verse he said, he was quoting an Old Testament verse that says that you've heard it said you're not supposed to forswear yourself, or which means not to swear falsely, meaning swearing by God's name, saying you're going to do something, you know full well you ain't going to do it. Swearing by God's name that something is true when you know full well it ain't true. So he was talking about false oaths, that's number one. Matthew 5, 33, again ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but thou shalt, shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Secondly, remember I talked about those types of swearing earlier? That there were two main types of swearing. There was the promissory, when you're making a promise that something's going to happen. And then there's the evidential, when you're basically attesting that something is actually true. The type of swearing that Jesus is referring to is the promissory and not the evidential. Meaning, they are oaths that promise future action and not to attest to a claim being true. All the examples I just read to you, all of them are promissory. Actually, I'm sorry, all of them are evidential, not promissory. All the examples I gave you were evidential, meaning they were swearing that something was true. They were not promising something to occur. Even in Hebrews 6, when God was swearing by something that he was going to make a promise, that's a quotation of an Old Testament verse. He was not making a promise in that exact 
place. Now we need to ask ourselves the question, why in the world aren't there any promissory oaths in the New Testament? If you read the New Testament, you'll not find anyone making a promissory oath saying, I swear to God that I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Unless that person was an unbeliever. But if they were a believer, when they swore an oath, it was always evidential and it was never promissory. The question we need to ask ourselves is, why is that? Matthew 5, verse 34. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Now to answer this question as to what, why we cannot make promissory swearing, but we can do evidential, we've got to go back to earlier in the chapter at verse 17 here in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5 verse 17 says, think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So that tells us here that God is not contradicting himself. Jesus did not come to contradict the law or destroy it. He came to fulfill it. So, in fulfilling the law, he also fulfilled all of the promissory oaths or swearing that God has made. Look at here, right here, 2 Corinthians 1.18. 2 Corinthians 1.18, get ready, we're about to take off pretty soon. 2 Corinthians 1.18. But God, as God is true, our word to you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me in Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, or yes and no, but in him, in Christ, was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and amen, under the glory of God by us. Now I want to point something out to you today, that what Jesus was trying to do, he was making a distinction between what was happening under the old covenant and what was going to happen under the new covenant. In the Old Testament, the focus was about relying on your performance to fulfill your promises when you swore an oath to God you had better perform it because God was going to hold you accountable and God was going to judge you you're putting yourself in the judgment of God it was all about you fulfilling your promises but in the New Testament it's not about us performing and fulfilling our promises in the New Testament it's about relying on Christ's performance to receive his promises not sure if y'all caught that Let let me repeat that one Again, in the Old Testament, it was about performance, about us fulfilling our promises. But in the New Testament, it's about us receiving what God has already promised. You can't swear by God to make a promise because Jesus has fulfilled every promise that there is in the first place. And the only promise that you can make is evidential to attest that something is true. Instead of swearing to fulfill a promise, what we are to swear that God's promises are true and have been fulfilled by faith. Numbers 23 verse 19 says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it, or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? The fact of the matter is, you cannot make a promise swearing to God because you cannot keep your word. Because at some point in your life, your flesh is going to fail. At some point in your life, you're going to make a mistake mistaken and when you do so you're putting yourself in direct line of blasphemy you're putting yourself under the wrath of God because God is going to hold you accountable for what you swore but because man cannot keep the keep the word of God God then fulfilled all of the promises for us so now all we got to do is just simply says his promises are true and I receive what he's already promised and then God's blessing begins to manifest 
We are to swear with a promise to God because ultimately we cannot fulfill what we are promising because it relies on the works of the flesh and puts us in the place of God's righteous judgment. Why rely on our feeble promises when we can rely on God's promises? I cannot promise you, God. I cannot swear to you, God, that I'm going to be here every Sunday in my own strength. Instead, I'm going to rely on your promises that I that you're going to keep what I commit to you and done to you even under that day. I'm going to rely on your promises to sustain me, not my own but yours we can't swear by the heavens because we don't control them we can't swear by the earth because we don't control them you can't even control your hair on your head that's what he says here instead we aren't to be promising and swearing to God that we're going to do something we need to rely on God's promises God's performance to work through us for us to accomplish what he wants us to do Matthew 5 37 says this but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Now, why does Jesus say this? Why is going beyond just affirming of something to be true or making a statement that it originates from evil? Modern translations such as the NIV and the NLT, they translate it this way. NIV says this, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. NLT says, just say a simple, yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. He's saying, if you go beyond just affirming something to be true or, or making a promise and saying, swearing by God, he says, you're opening up the door for Satan. It's coming from Satan. That's a very bizarre statement. Why is that? Remember that the way a person swore an oath was to say, as the Lord liveth. And when a person goes beyond just saying yes or no into an oath to God, they will fail because of their performance. That this failure then is a denial of the statement that the Lord lives and brings us into condemnation. Whenever you're swearing to God and saying, and saying as the Lord lives, and then you fail because of your performance, you don't keep your word. Your lifestyle is now denying that God lives. And by doing so, you're, you're blaspheming basically because you're saying that God is not real. And then by doing that, you're putting yourself under condemnation and judgment. One of the reasons why that you've been really struggling in your walk with God is because you've been saying, I swear, God, I'll, I'll read my Bible. I swear I'll quit smoking. I swear I'll quit drinking. I swear because you're relying on your own performance to get it done instead of saying, Lord, I trust you. I trust your promises to keep me and to enable me. Now and him, Ephesians 3.20, now and him who's able to do exceeding and abundantly of all that we could ask or think of according to the power that works within me because you're swearing and you're doing it in your own strength instead of relying on God's promises and just saying, God, your word is true and I believe and trust your word and trust your performance. God, I know you're going to carry me through. That is why you fail. Galatians 1.20 says uh, that I am crucified with Christ. Uh, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by how? By the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And the fact of the matter is, uh, the reason why it originates from evil, from the evil one, is because Satan wants nothing more than to condemn you. And Satan wants nothing more than, you, than, than to get you to confess or to realize, uh, hallelujah, that you cannot do it on your own. He wants you to deny. He wants to deny the fact that God lives. And if you deny that God lives, then there's no hope for anything. 
1 Corinthians 15, 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain. You are yet in your sins. If you don't believe that Christ truly is resurrected and that he lives, you're going to believe that you're still in your sins and you're going to fail and be under condemnation. But when you truly believe and you attest to the fact that God's word is true and his promises are true, you swear to the truth of God's word, you attest to the fact that he is real. In the Old Testament, we said, as the Lord lives. But in the New Testament, we say, because Jesus lives. In the Old Testament, we were attesting that God is the creator. But in the New Testament, we attest that Jesus Christ is the redeemer and that he is the savior. And that's why we say in Jesus' name. It's why we baptize in Jesus' name. Because as Jesus lives and we go down in that watery grave, as Jesus lives, the devils are removed. As Jesus lives, cancers are cast down. As Jesus lives, I am taken care of. I know I can make it. As the song says, because he lives, I know I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All fear is gone. And I know, I know who holds my future. Because life is worth the living just because he lives. What you need to swear is that God's word is true. What you need to swear, not swear that God, I promise you to do this. Just say, God, I'm going to do it. But you need to swear that God's word is true and just believe it by faith and allow God's performance to work through you to allow it to happen because otherwise you're setting yourself for failure because you're relying on your own works and your own performance. I close with these last couple verses here. Isaiah 45 verse 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. Ye that are escaped of the nations. They had no, law, no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Again, we're, we're praying, we're swearing by some that cannot save us. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together who have declared from this ancient time, who have told it from that time. Had that I, the Lord, and there is no God beside me, a just God, a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. Verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Now we've heard that verse somewhere else. When Paul quotes this in Philippians 2, Philippians 2 verse 9, he says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. Or things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When you confess Jesus Christ truly as Lord, you are swearing. You are swearing something that is true by his name that it is true. And the way that you can receive of God is by swearing that and agreeing that God's promises have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That God's word is true and that it never fails. I know you're going through a circumstance. I know that you're going through trouble and through tribulation. And you're all sorts of people swearing to you. Oh yeah, you'll get out of this. You'll do this, whatever. But what you need to do is instead of saying, I swear I'm going to get through this. You just need to say, I swear that God's word's true. And that God's word is getting me through this. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'm done. I'm done. Don't be like all for one. 
And don't swear by the heavens. Don't swear by the moon and the stars and the sky that you'll be there because you won't. <laughs> you won't. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Instead, just swear that God's word is true. And it's true because he lives. And God wants to live in you. He wants to live in you. As God lives, as God exists, he wants to bring you through the circumstance. And instead of relying on your own, your own performance, you've been under guilt, guilt and condemnation. You've been saying, man, I, I, I swear I want to stop this. I swear I'll, I won't do this anymore. I won't do this anymore. But then you keep falling and you keep failing. And what God is saying is, don't swear that anymore. Just swear that my word is true and is able to deliver you and believe my word. And believe the evidence that I've, I've promised in my word. And receive my promises. And my promises are going to carry you through the circumstance and the tribulation that you're dealing with. Do you swear that God's word is true? Do you swear that his word is real? I swear that it is. As God is my witness, his word is true. And that, that one, not one good thing that the Lord has spoken has failed. And all we need to do is just agree with God's promises and rely not on our own performance to perform our oaths, but rely on His performance. When you're trusting on God's promises, it's God performing through you. When you're trusting on God's promises, you're, tr you're allowing Him to take care of the issue. Whether it's receiving His Spirit and getting saved, or whether it's getting through depression, or whether it's getting delivered, all we need to do is agree with God's Word and attest to its truth and believe it and receive it. And when that happens, salvation comes, deliverance comes, the blessing comes. I offer you, unto you this opportunity to swear. To swear. To attest to the fact that the Lord Jesus lives and that he wants to live in you. And that when you come to swear... Don't make us say, I swear to God. You can make a promise in the sense that, God, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. But just let your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. But rely primarily on God's promise for the performance and not your own promises. When that happens, you're opening the door for God's grace and for God's word to come to pass inside of you. And you won't have to struggle in relying on your own works because we falter, we fail, I fail, I mess up, I make mistakes. But if I rely on his performance, I rely on his grace, his mercy, I know I'm going to come through. Let's do that today. Just all you have to do is believe God's word. God loves you. Believe God's word that he's delivering you or should I say he has delivered you and receive the promises of God. And when you receive the promises of God, the promissory oath of God, it becomes evidential that it's true. And it walks out in your everyday life. God bless you today.